you know, starting any business is hard. So being able to tap into a pool of people to ask any question at any time is really incredibly helpful. Welcome to the Startup CPG podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Freitag. Did you know that for the FDA to consider a product a jam, it needs to be 55% sugar content? When Anna Peck found this out, she thought that was wild and started experimenting in her kitchen. In 2019, Anna teamed up with co-founder Steve to bring Chia Smash to market, a jam with 75% fruit content and that's upcycled certified. Full disclosure, Anna sent me some samples to try and my spouse is now obsessed. And as for me, I've just been eating Chia Smash out of the jar with a spoon because it's so good. Listen in as Anna shares the story behind Chia Smash, her time at Blue Apron, finding a co-founder and commercializing the Chia Smash recipes, launches with Thrive Market, Imperfect Foods, Misfit Markets, Whole Foods, and Sprouts, the rebrand process, beautiful recipe content, and more. Hi, Anna. Welcome to the show today. How are you? Hi, Jesse. I'm great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so glad to have you here. I'm wondering if you could start us out by telling us a little bit about yourself and about Chia Smash. Yeah, sure. So I'm Anna. I am based in Brooklyn, New York, but I'm originally from Australia. I came over to the U.S. about, I don't know, 13-ish years ago now, which has really flown by. I originally came over as a student athlete for college, and then I moved to New York after I graduated, and I have been here ever since. And I founded Chia Smash at the end of 2019, and it's a superfood jam. So we're trying to really reinvigorate the outdated and sugar-packed jams and jelly category, which is packed with a ton of sugar and artificial sweeteners and preservatives and all that. And yeah, we make a line of these superfood jams. They're all made with simple, real ingredients and have no added sugar. And we have four flavors currently. Awesome. That's great. And your website is just incredible. And Instagram, like, I don't know who (laughs) could possibly go to your website and Instagram and not just be so hungry afterwards. Like, oh my goodness, I need to eat ASAP. Everything looks delicious. The jams look incredible and the flavors. So well done on all the the visuals. They're just really stunning. Thank you. Love to hear it. And I think I saw on the website something about with jam that like for a jam to be a jam, it has to have like a certain percentage of sugar and it's really high, right? And you wanted to not do that. Yeah, yeah. So the FDA statement of identity for jam, which kind of is the requirement for what your product needs to be in order to be called a a jam jelly or preserve. So it has to contain at least 55% sugar by weight. So we don't have any added sugar. We sweeten naturally with dates and we are very low in natural sugar, just three to four grams of natural sugar. So we are nowhere near that requirement. And that's really where the name kind of Chia Smash was born out of. Yeah. Wow. That's super interesting. I didn't realize that that number was so high. (laughs) I know. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd love if you could take us back in time a little bit, just kind of of your career journey. You know, I, I noticed on your LinkedIn that you spent some time at Blue Apron. And you mentioned that you've been in the the US for a while after coming to college. So what has kind of your career path looked like? And in 2019, what prompted you to, you know, make the jump to found Chia Smash? Yeah, 
So I guess in college, I studied business. I majored in finance. And when I graduated, I moved to New York and kind of did what a lot of people who studied business did. I went into management consulting and I did that for around four years. I was with and so young in their consulting practice. And I really loved it. You learn a lot from working in these kind of large, very structured corporations, a lot of really key skill sets, both kind of qualitative and quantitative. But I always knew that it wasn't really, you know, filling me up from kind of an alignment with my passion standpoint. I had been very into food and healthy eating for a while, and that had stemmed out of feeling quite unwell towards the end of my four years of college in America. My diet had quite drastically changed from what I ate growing up in Australia to my four years of college in America. And by the end of it, I was not in a great place, having a lot of health challenges. And basically out of that, I drastically changed my diet, really started focusing on the foods that I was eating and the ingredients behind them and naturally started cooking a lot more, making healthy recipes. So while I was at my job at Emerson Young, I had, you know, started doing a lot of cooking on the side, recreating healthier versions of things that I had eaten previously. I, I was looking to make a switch in my career, do something more related to the food world. And that's when I moved over to Blue Apron, which was a really exciting time for the company. It was kind of beginning of 2017. And I did a, a range of different roles there, but most of the time I was kind of focused on new product development, kind of like product strategy and innovation. So learning how to kind of bring new products to market. And part of that was actually working on the retail meal kit that we did for Costco. So got a little bit of a taste for the CPG and retail world there. And while I was at Blue Apron, I had this healthy eating blog on the side and I was just creating these healthy recipes. And Chia Smash was actually just one of those recipes. It was never really intended from the beginning to be a business. I was kind of putting it on my overnight oats and my coconut yogurt in the morning. And I just kind of got to thinking, you know, there have been all these incredible innovations across food and beverage. But when I go to the jam shelf in the grocery store, you know, there's nothing that I wanted to pick up. So I just, you know, played around with different ingredients, different kind of natural sweetener options. And Chia Smash was born. And for, you know, quite a while, it was just a recipe on my blog. And then Eventually, I teamed up with my co-founder, Steve, who I worked at Boyfriend with. And what's nice is we have a very completely opposite skill sets. So his background is in operations. And we decided to just kind of get together and launch it as a test in our local market. And it kind of went from there. Wow, that's an amazing story. And so incredible how you really turned around your health and then started creating resources for other people. And then to have a recipe come out of that, that you could then bring to market. That's just, that's super interesting. And I'm guessing it was super fascinating to work on the Blue Apron team on like a retail launch. Like that's a, you know, for them, a whole new channel like that, that had to be pretty fascinating. Yeah, it was, it was really interesting. And it was, I mean, everybody you know, retail was new to everyone. So we were all learning together. So everything from, you know, 
the recipes to the product design and the packaging to all the logistics behind it, coordinating with Costco buyers and warehouses. I mean, it was a really incredible experience. Yeah, so helpful to see that behind the scenes before starting your own company. Just great context to get. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, so you and Steve decide. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna partner together. We're gonna take Chia Smash to market. What does that look like at the beginning? Are you making bigger batches at home? Do you find a, a co-manufacturer to work with? How do you get the early like prototypes, you know, into jars and, and into consumers' hands? Yeah. So it was very scrappy, I will say that. And the products, you know, from a packaging standpoint, the website, everything around it looked very different than it does today. But it very much started as a side hustle. So Steve and I kept our full-time jobs. And we kept them for a pretty long time, over a year, actually. But we just, you know, did everything ourselves. We found a commercial kitchen here in New York, Hot Bread Kitchen. And we would go into the kitchen at night and cook all night, make, you know, bigger and bigger batches of Chia Smash, you know, learned how to take it from, you know, our kitchen to a food safe commercial product through working with a food scientist. So we started producing it at night. Then we would sell into all of the kind of natural independence around the city. And I mean, New York is a really amazing place to start a food business. There are so many kind of small independent shops. So a great, you know, learning opportunity. So we would sell into all of these stores and then we would, you know, drop off cases on the way to work. We would do demos in the evening and on the weekend, you know, get a ton of buyer feedback and end consumer feedback. And we really just did the whole thing ourselves. And, you know, it was very small scale and very small growth at the beginning, but it really gave us the opportunity to kind of learn the retail landscape, learn how to scale the, the product itself, and also take in customer feedback and, and make tweaks along the way before we really worked on kind of scaling the business and you know, taking it from a side hustle to our full-time job. Right. Yeah. And at what point did you decide to start using upcycled ingredients and then pursue the upcycled certification? And what was that process? Like I haven't gone through that certification process before. Yeah. So that was a later development in the business. And it, it started because we we were working with Misfits Market and we were you know, trying to think of creative ways that we could support their mission around fighting food waste. And through the Misfits Market team, we were introduced to sources of kind of imperfect fruit. And so, you know, from there, we developed a flavor in partnership with Misfits Market for them. And that just kind of opened up this whole world of imperfect produce. And then, you know, we rolled it out across our full product line. And then, you know, we got certified through the Upcycled Food Association. And now it's become a really kind of core part of our brand and something, you know, we're excited to continue on as we build more flavors and products and and all of that. Right. Yeah, that's, that's so cool. So what did the first few like chain retailers look like? I believe now you're at least looking at the website, you're in Sprouts, you've got Whole Foods locations. So what were some of the stepping stones there? Was there a first chain that you landed? Was it working with like Imperfect or Misfits? 
market that then was a springboard? What did some of those steps look like to start working with chains? Yeah, so Whole Foods was a really early supporter of us, which was incredible. I think within the first kind of six months of launching, we were able to get in touch with the local forager here in New York, who is really great with small brands, really supportive, you know, definitely (laughs) took a big chance on us. And we're also quite lucky because our commercial kitchen that we were producing out of at the time Hot Bread Kitchen also had a really strong relationship with Whole Foods. So we launched with Whole Foods quite early on in just one store here in New York. And, you know, for over a year, we just had that one store. We actually launched in the single store in Manhattan, I want to say about June of 2020. So it was like right at the beginning of COVID, possibly, you know, (laughs) the worst time ever New York City had completely cleared out. But we really focused on making that a strong partnership from day one. So we were in the store multiple times a week. We built relationships with the store team, knew them, you know, really well. We were able to work with them to get, you know, wing displays and cross merchandise with other brands, get end caps and really made sure that our product was always on shelf. It was always looking good and we were doing everything we could do to support it getting off shelf. As soon as demos came back, we started doing demos every weekend. We ran promos and really, you know, continued to kind of prove ourselves in that one store and maintain the, the relationship with the Whole Foods buyer, kind of kept them updated along the way. And then that one store turned into three stores, then five stores. And then we went up for our category review at the end of last year. And we just in May actually expanded to four regions. So they have been a really incredible partner. So that was the first kind of big chain that we went into. And then the other partner that has been really incredible is Thrive Market. You know, they all also took a chance on us really early. Our packaging looked very different. These tiny jars with these boring white labels, but they gave us a shot and have really helped kind of build our brand awareness and are just a really great partner to work with. Yeah. Wow. That's that's so cool. I love your focus from the very beginning on making that first Whole Foods store super successful. And then that slow growth, that's really smart. And it sounds like it was effective. Yeah. Yep. And then, so what did it look like to start working with Sprouts? Did you submit for normal category review on all the normal timelines? Did you end up with some sort of contact through the other work you're doing? I'm wondering what the relationship started out as. Yeah, so I guess maybe to get to that, I'll rewind a little bit. So after we launched with Whole Foods and Thrive Market, we'd also, you know, we're getting really good feedback and traction in our local market. So at the beginning of 2021, we decided to take the leap and quit our full-time jobs and really focus on growing the business and, and building out the retail channel, which is our core channel. So Steve and I quit our day jobs, took the leap and, and started working on Cheer Smash full-time. And that really changed you know, the whole business, you can achieve so much more when you're doing it day in and day out versus just kind of nights and weekends. So really started to focus on the retail side of the business. We did kind of like a pre-seed friends and family, a few angel fundraising round. And with that, we were able to start bringing on a little bit of help. So one of the um, investments we made was bringing on an outsource sales management team. 
And it was in working with them that we were able to get in front of the Sprouts category manager and go through that review process. So they were really instrumental in building that relationship. And Sprouts has been a really great partner for us. We launched nationwide with them in January of this year. Oh, wow. Very cool. And what did it look like? Was that a little nerve wracking uh, doing a national launch like that? And how did you plan for it? And, you know, what did you do to kind of work to help support the sell through? Because that's, that's, it's a huge launch, a lot of stores, um, over 300 to, to try to make successful. I'm curious how you planned for that and what, what your thinking was as you were going through it. Yes, it was definitely very stressful. It was at the end of last year that kind of the first POs came through and there were a bunch of, I mean, there still are a lot of supply chain challenges, but we were just hit with just punch after punch. So getting those first POs out was definitely, you know, a big feat and had to massively scale up our production with our co-manufacturer. So, you know, getting it out the door was like step one and, you know, it, it didn't look perfect. It wasn't you know, completely on time, but we got there and there was a lot of support from the Sprouts team with some of the the challenges that we ran into. But then once we're on shelf, we've really focused on building brand awareness and, and driving trial. And I mean, Sprouts is a really incredible store. I feel like they're set up for discovery. Just, you know, you go in there kind of looking for new products and, and they're really great at kind of highlighting them. You know, they had an innovation shelf that first month we were in store, which we were able to be placed on. And they gave us really great facings and they have, you know, all the tags. And then we just make sure that we're going in with really strong promotional plans and, you know, we're an early stage business, so we're still learning, you know, what are the right promotional or trade spend levers to pull. So there's a lot of kind of testing that we do and analysis to understand what works best and, and where the best ROI is. But we go in with kind of deep, frequent trade spend promotions, especially up front when we're brand new in a store and brand new in a market. And then where we can supporting that with additional kind of like secondary displays or placements. And then like out of store thinking about how can we you know, build brand awareness and drive trial, whether it's, you know, geo-targeted ads or pushing out emails through our email marketing channel and kind of different avenues there. But we're still in kind of testing and learning in learning mode. Right. Have you done demos as well in stores? So we just started doing demos again in Whole Foods. So we're, we're really excited oh, to nice. be kicking those back off. Yeah, very cool. Switching back over to to Thrive, you mentioned working with Thrive Market, and I know that's a goal for many of the brands in the community. And you mentioned it being a good experience. I'm curious what that looked like kind of also there getting getting set up, figuring out. I know with Thrive's model, you also, you know, you're providing some discounts. You have to have the margins there for, I mean, doing anything in, in CPG, but with Thrive, especially, you got to make sure you're set up well from the beginning. So, you know, what did it look like to get set up with Thrive and, and drive traffic and do promotions and more? of in that, you know, online versus retail, brick and mortar retail format? Yeah. I mean, partners like retailers like Thrive Market and Perfect Foods, and there are a bunch of really amazing ones out there. We love working with them for a few different reasons. Obviously, they get your product in front of such a wide audience and they're able to offer really competitive prices. And, and on our side, it works really well because generally we distribute directly with those partners. We're not going through our distributors. 
So you're able to kind of work with the, the pricing through that. And then just from a kind of like discoverability standpoint, the way that, you know, someone like Thrive Market enables you to find products that align with your dietary preferences or values, you know, our product isn't just showing up on like the jam and jelly kind of set online. It's, you know, if you search paleo or if you search low sugar or, you know, women owned. And so there are a number of different ways that we can get our product in front of new consumers who might not, you know, automatically be going to the kind of fruit spread set. So that's really great. And then, you know, they do a lot of different kind of themed sales, you know, grouping different like-minded brands together, whether it's a, you know, breakfast theme or a paleo theme or, you know, upcycled theme. So it really, it's a really great way to build brand awareness and drive trial of your product. And they just have such a wide reach. You know, it's it's technically one account, you know, but it's the equivalent of, you know, hundreds of stores. Right. Yeah. No, thanks for sharing more about that. That's that's very interesting. I'm also wondering, you mentioned a couple of times that the branding has changed a lot and the packaging and everything has evolved. You know, when did you decide to do a rebrand? What did that look like? I'm also wondering the connection with on your website, it has Oswald and then it has Chia Smash. And so I'm wondering the connection there too. Yeah. So we started with this very small jar with a very kind of plain white label that just frankly got lost on the shelf. It was actually feedback that we got from buyers, Whole Foods, you know, that was one of the first things they did to us was the product is great, but your label, I mean, basically sucks. So at the beginning of 2021, when we really started to focus on scaling the business, we quit our jobs. We went through a big packaging redesign and we worked with a really great team here in New York. They're called Little Fury, uh, two women designers who designed our packaging. And what we were really trying to achieve was you know, we'd spent the past kind of six to 12 months in market doing a lot of demos understanding, you know, why consumers, you know, why they were picking up our product, why they were buying that, what they liked about it. And frankly, it was none of the things that were on the packaging. The things that people cared about was kind of the no added sugar, the, you know, real ingredients. So as part of that packaging design, we wanted to bring to the forefront the things that we had learned that consumers really cared about. And then also from kind of the buyer feedback standpoint, have something that like really popped off the shelf and that you know caught your eye amongst the sea of kind of jars that looked the same. So that's really where the bold colors come from, the big fonts, the big fruits meant to really kind of pop off the shelf, which it definitely does. I think they did an amazing job. I love our packaging. And on to your question on Oswald. <laughs> So that's actually kind of something we're, we're, we're shifting away from. It's the kind of overarching company name. And it's actually the name of the street that I grew up on in Australia. So that was like the tie to it originally. But, you know, as the brand has evolved, it's something we've really moved away from. And, and Chia Smash is how our customers refer to us as and what they 
you know, see on the packaging front and center. Right. Yeah. That's, that's interesting about the, uh, about the name and if there was a tie to your childhood, but makes sense that over time you might need to shift based on what consumers are seeing. And then also very interesting on the, the reband. Yeah. The packaging now is so clear when you look at it and so bold and colorful. So that's really neat. And it did that, did that same team help with, you know, I'm assuming that the website redesign and everything at some point came after or during the packaging. Was that around the same time you, you did that as well? Uh, yep. Yeah, that was, we did the website right after the packaging. Uh, we actually worked with someone else with a, a website developer who did our website, who was really incredible to work with as well. And yeah, he actually designed and built the website. So it was incredible. Yeah. I mean, really the website is just I could spend so much time looking and scrolling through it because it's just so cool. And like the store locator (laughs) has the little strawberries for every location and it's just the coolest thing. (laughs) So yeah, it's it's very well done. It feels very branded and intentional, not just like, oh, we, you know, we threw together a website and here's some stores we're in. Like it all feels very cohesive, the same messaging. It's, you know, I definitely encourage everybody to go check out the website because it really is, it's, it's, a really beautiful website, easy to easy to navigate and just makes you so hungry. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I will say, you know, I, you know, our, I said it before, our brand looks very different from what it does today. And, you know, I always encourage other founders, like it doesn't have to be perfect, you know, the best packaging, the best website from day one. It's, it's okay to start small and scrappy and kind of build from there as you learn. And I think, I mean, that's the approach that we took. And I think there are lots of things you learn quite early on that can really inform those decisions around branding and design and website and packaging and messaging and all that. So I think that it's, it's a helpful, it's a helpful way to go about it. Yeah, no, I think that's super helpful. Because yeah, it could also just be intimidating to look at a website like yours and be like, Oh, wow, I'm not far enough along to, you know, create that and you could spend months building something like that but you got out there got feedback and then you know built to where you are now it's most important to start getting that feedback and talking to customers and just getting out there so that's a really great point mm-hmm. have you been doing like recipe content from the very beginning because you used to have your own recipe content is that something that you worked on and then just kind of continued to build i'm curious about the recipe content strategy for you Yeah, no, it's something I've done from the beginning and continue to do. And I mean, part of the kind of reasoning behind the recipe content, apart from the fact that I really love creating new recipes and, you know, finding creative ways to use Chia Smash is with the product, we're really trying to encourage kind of consumers to think of jams and jellies beyond just like the bread or peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I mean, the way I originally started eating this product was, you know, on overnight oats and with yogurt and on top of pancakes, not necessarily the traditional kind of toast or peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So, you know, part of the recipe content is educating consumers, you know, that there's more ways to use this product, whether it's breakfast, snacks, even savory, and kind of encouraging them to, you know, play around with it. And so that's part of why I've continued to really build out our recipe content. And it's pretty cool. We do see like a lot of our 
customers using it in these really different ways. And I do a little bit of kind of just interviewing with some of our best customers every now and then and, and try to understand the ways that you know they're using it and what they like about the product. And it's it's super interesting. A lot of them are, you know, not eating it in the traditional kind of like on your toast every morning. It's, you know, with my yogurt or I have it a spoon of it just as like a snack. So really encouraging to see that the recipes are inspiring people to eat it different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And great that you have that connection to your consumers to hear how they're using it and learn that. Because if you weren't doing that listening, you would never know all the creative things that they've been up to. So that's so cool. Yeah. And I believe you got involved with Startup CPG fairly early on. I think you were one of our first pitch contestants. Can you tell us a little bit about like how you found that, what that experience was, and just, you know, anything about being involved in Startup CPG that you'd like to share, you know, with the rest of the community? Yeah, definitely. So uh, it was very early on. The community has grown massively. It's really incredible to see and be a part of to have been there from the early days. But I think I was part of maybe like the second or third pitch competition. And that's where I met Daniel and kind of got involved in Startup CPG. And that was probably the end of kind of 2020. And I mean, the community has been a massive help. Daniel has been a massive help. He actually introduced us to us to one of the advisors that we work with today. And, you know, it's great to find resources, you know, of different players that work in the industry that can support your business, but also just other founders. I mean, in the pitch competition, we were with a bunch of other amazing brands that I've still continued to follow along on their journeys and kind of met many more since then. So it's definitely, you know, starting any business is hard. So being able to tap into a pool of people to ask any question at any time is really incredibly helpful. Yeah, that's great. I'm so glad that you've been in the community for, you know, so long and and have been able to be part of the growth. That's that's incredible. I'm also wondering, you know, what's coming up next the rest of this year for Chia Smash? Do you have, you know, things that you're focusing on, launches planned, you know, what's what's coming up soon that we should watch out for? Yeah, so we have a lot of exciting things that we we're working on right now. We have some new flavors coming out that we're just going through kind of consumer testing on right now. We also have a new like form factor of packaging coming out later this year. And then some other really exciting retail launches, you know, some some bigger ones that I, I haven't shared yet that we're super excited about and kind of getting ready to build our launch plans on. And then the other big big thing that we're working on. We're, we're fundraising right now. So yeah, we, we definitely have our hands full. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. And then, so if people want to, you know, check out, get some Chia Smash in their life, they can go to chiasmash.com. There's a store locator or you can buy on the website. And then, as I mentioned, you have really great Instagram, which is just at Chia Smash. Is there anywhere else that people should be following you or making sure to, you know, track what's, what the latest is? I think you hit all the places. Yeah. 
Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I'm excited. I've been saving recipes that I want to try on the Instagram of, oh, I want to try that one. And I want to try that one. So (laughs) I'm excited to experiment. Love it. And then the question I would like to end with is if you had a tip for your fellow startup CPG founders, what would it be? And I know you shared a few already. So you're welcome to you know, to emphasize one of those, or if you have another one, I would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I think that one I mentioned earlier on, to the extent you can start by really doing things yourself, whether it's kind of sourcing production, accounting, sales, I mean, hiring and or outsourcing is absolutely necessary at some point. But when you're just starting out, you know, there's so much value in learning your business, you know, inside and out, and it will really help as you scale and as you build your team. So I I think that's one thing. And then the other thing that I try to always remind myself of is, you know, there are a lot of really incredible companies out there with so many amazing products and it can get easy to get caught up in what everybody else is doing. So I always like to remind myself to just focus on our own business and our own journey and what we're building and and making sure that we're continuing to push that forward and and not compare ourselves to anybody else's out there because every business is unique. Yeah, those are incredible points to end on. Thank you for sharing. Well, Anna, this has been awesome to have you on the show and get to talk all about Chia Smash. Like I said, I'm I'm so excited to continue to follow along and we're all rooting for you at Startup CPG, as you know. And so, yeah, this has just been really fun. So thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Thanks so much for having me, Jesse. Really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. This Startup CPG podcast is executive produced by me, Jesse Freitag. Theme music is by the Super Fantastics. We'd love to have you join our community of founders and experts. Get the invite at startupcpg.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now. It's the easiest way to help us grow our community. See you next time.